Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Today Inside the Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're coming back to you with another preview podcast. Wow, Braun, we are really 3-3 three and three heading into this game against the Washington Commanders. And I'm quite nervous about this game. Braun, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, Griff, week seven, we have a 500 record, which means, obviously, we are 3-3. Three and three. We need to win some more, I think. <laughs> you think we need to win some more games? Yeah, that's my big, you know, that's my big statement of the day is I think we need to win more games, probably score more points too. Early on in the season as an NFL team, you want to pile up the wins so it's not so stressful later on. We're piling Wait, up the losses win? here. You want to win <laughs> Yeah, games? I'd like to win. I think the Packers wow. would like to win. We're piling up losses, so now we're in a state where we really like cannot afford to lose these games. If we lose this week, it's over, folks. It might be over, folks. Probably not. We're going to be talking on what? Tuesday if we lose about how it's not over. I don't know. If you lose to the <laughs> Jets, Giants, and whatever they're calling themselves these days in Washington, <laughs> I mean, gosh, you are like, how are we going to go beat Buffalo next? Uh, whatever. We're going to win, baby. We're going to win. What am I talking about? Oh, my about? gosh. No, but what I'm saying is these last three years, man, Matt LaFleur's teams have been in a spot where if we were to drop a game like this, it would suck because it's like, wow, the Packers lost, but it really wouldn't affect our you know, playoff standings. But if we lose this game, we're really in a spot where the division is probably out of hand, at least. God, this game is so important, this Washington Commanders game. They're the Commanders these days, Braun. I, I didn't even know that until you just told me. <laughs> That's not true, obviously. But whatever, I'm not going to call them that. I'm just going to call them the uh, the Dan Snyder situation. Oh, dude, if, you, if, if you know this podcast, you know. I know you know this, Braun. The Washington franchise, my least favorite in the NFL. The definition and he's been of dysfunction. Saying this long before any of their issues arose. Of the, I know, the yeah, the, they, the most dysfunctional organization in sports, probably. Like this, it just never, it never stops with them, dude. They suck, and of course they're the team that trades for Carson Wentz, who stunk all season, and now he's yeah. injured. So uh, let's get into the game here. Some optimism coming into this game. So Sammy Watkins, we really didn't really mention him the past two therapy sessions that we've done. But he could return this Sunday. He is questionable officially. He needs to be activated by 3 p.m. tomorrow, which is Saturday. So we'll see if he if that happens. If he gets activated, I assume he's going to play. And if he does play, that's really going to help us out a lot. Because if you remember the Week 2 game against Chicago, he kind of had a coming-out party where he gets 93 yards on, what, like three catches. He had the one kill shot that really sealed the game. And that's really going to help us because both Christian Watson and Randall Cobb are both out for this game against Washington. Christian Watson missing his second straight game. Not good for the rookie. And Randall Cobb, we know how good he's been. So the Packers are in a spot where right now, as it stands, we're looking at Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, and Amari Rogers as our starting three. Well, you feel good about that group. Yeah, yeah, you feel good about that group. Well, okay, let's talk about this game particularly. I, uh, well, they're basically very much hurt when you talk about Taylor Heineke starting. Jahan Dotson had an injury. He's been a big playmaker for them. They're missing a lot of guys. I think Diami Brown, he's a dynamic receiver for them. He's out. They're missing some guys. I think even Sam Cosme, I think, is on the report, too. I'm not sure if he's already been listed as out. You'd have to pull that up, Griff. But um, I, I think they are coming into this game very hobbled. That's one thing. But you do He's look questionable at, officially, some, Cosme. Okay, so he is questionable. He is their tackle. So they have guys that you have to worry about that are going to be out. So... I mean, you have to look at that and, and think again. This is kind of like, I want to say, a few weeks in a row where these teams will be without some of their playmakers or the talent level was already in a place where you felt like we should go out there and win based on the group that we have. 
And I feel like that's that's true again this week against Washington. Yeah, but now at this point, I'm done even expecting wins, and I'm done probably being embarrassed after losses because this feels like this is the team that we are, the team being win some games against bad teams and lose to good teams. I don't know. It feels like that's the type of season we're having. So, But some more optimism that could happen, could not happen also. Elton Jenkins, do you think he's going to be moved from right tackle? Matt LaFleur has seemed this week more open to that idea than he than he has all season and Elton has struggled all season but this week it really feels like maybe they are going to trot out a different starting five I think the one thing that may help them do that is the fact that David looked so good last week and he's kind of playing again that full game each and every week now so I think now they don't have to worry about keeping Yash on the left side and having him come in and rotate with David I think now he might be more of it more available to go and just play on the right side freely I think that opens up the possibility. Now, will they do that? That's a different answer, but um, we'll see. I, I think there's a there's a good opportunity for them to feel like they can get the best five out there and not feel handcuffed having to have both Yash and David on one side kind of rotating. And I think you go and, you go and put Yash on the right side, you're probably okay. And I think if you go and even just keep Elton in that, on that tackle spot and put a different guard in there other than Newman, maybe even try Zach Tom because I know Jake Hansen is dealing with stuff and not that I would want him out there anyway, no offense, but I, uh, I think if they go ahead and try something different, uh, it'll be a better opportunity to go out there and put good ball on tape. Yeah, Hansen is out for this game, so and, and that's almost maybe maybe a addition by subtraction type of thing. Because if he was in the lineup, I have a feeling that Matt Lafleur would try a game starting Hansen instead of Royce, keeping everything the same. Just that that feels like a Lafleur move. He put in Hansen after he benched Royce last week, so I feel like that that is what he would do. No Hansen though; they're gonna have to be forced to experiment a little bit or stay the same, which they might do. I'm interested in how Yash would do at right tackle because I don't know if maybe the better move would be putting Zach Tom there. I don't know. We haven't been on the practice field, so they're gonna do whatever they're most comfortable with. Which I just have a I have a funny little feeling that it's gonna be the same five we saw last week and all season. It's gonna be Elton at right tackle. Maybe this is the week that they finally learned their lesson, though, because Montez Sweat, it's the third game in a row, Bron, that we're playing a bad team with a great defensive line, great defensive front, and a premier player on the defensive line. Against the Giants, we played Dexter Lawrence. He wrecks the entire game. Quinn and Williams last week. He wrecks the entire game. This week, we're playing Montez Sweat, who has had a great season. And last week, against the Bears, the Washington Commanders had 34 pressures in that game. 34 pressures. As a team, I mean, the Bears have one of the worst offensive lines in football, but based on our performance last week, I don't think we're that much better than that. And I assume that they're going to put Montez over whoever's at right tackle because he is an edge rusher. And he's not, that's not his most comfortable position. He's played 185 snaps this season over the left tackle, only 97 over the right. But you have to think as a defensive coordinator, you want your guy to be playing against whoever we're going to throw out there at right tackle because they're not as good as Bakhtiari. They're probably not going to be very experienced, whether it be Yash or Zach Tom. And if it's Elton, he hasn't looked good at at that spot all season. So that's probably what they're going to do. Montez Sweat. And that could get really ugly for the third week in a row. We could be in a really low-scoring affair against a team that, on paper, we should blow out of the water. But there is a chance that Montez Sweat really plays a part in the commander's efforts in this one. Yeah, I think if Matt LaFleur had it uh, his way... He would probably just start Royce Newman at all five spots. And just <laughs> you see think how that, that would, would be the game plan? Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> and what a great game to do it against another good defensive line. 
But no, in all seriousness, Jonathan Allen's really good. Deron Payne has been really good, you know, over the course of his career. And they don't even have Chase Young, who's out uh, once again. But they have a really strong group when they're healthy, and it's still a strong group that we're going to be facing on Sunday. So now is the chance here for the offensive line to really kind of like, if we get a group out there that we like, they do have to go out there and perform well enough, especially against these four-man rushes. I'm not expecting many, you know, exotic packages in terms of blitzes coming to coming our way because we can't even handle four guys right now. So Yeah, why uh, would you I send any more exactly. guys than you have to when we can't and handle that, it? And that complicates things for Aaron as well because then they're going to have more guys defending the pass. Uh, and, you know, Aaron, when they – it's hard to get the ball out quick like that when there's a lot of guys out there in the secondary and they're running extra – extra DB types out there. So it's going to be tough. I mean, the way that they're playing us these days, just the personnel we have, it's a pretty much uh, a premier challenge every week to go out there and, and have success in the passing game. This is another game where we're going to have to run the ball well. We did not, we couldn't run the ball at all in, in week six. Now this we have to run the ball well this week. If we can't run the ball well and get them out of some of those nickel looks where we're going to have opportunities to run the ball, and we got to execute, basically, is my main point. And then hopefully that opens up the possibility that they start bringing in those single high safety looks, and then Aaron can kind of go to work. So we need to kind of marry everything together. Offense is the key this week. The defense should be really locking down. We just got to put enough points on the board to win. I think that this is another game where... To me, we saw in that first three quarters-ish against the Jets what our defense should look like. We kind of now have that foundational game plan moving forward, I think, using Jair in man coverage more often you know, than we were, especially talking about having him travel with some of their good receivers. Maybe you travel him with Terry McLaurin. Maybe you, maybe you kind of let him ride wherever. But I think that's a great way to go about it in the secondary, let these guys do what they do well. Joe Barry adapted really well last week. Now I think moving forward we're going to be locked in. But on offense, you have to start putting points on the board, scoring early and often. And let's make this a blowout to where we come out of this game feeling like it's the first time we've seen a Packers offense on the field through seven weeks. After the Week 3 game against Tampa Bay, you called that a foundational game for the Packers defense. And it was in some ways. They looked really good. But I think that was more on the Buccaneers just sucking offensively because we, we didn't really change. We didn't have a unique game plan in that game. It was more on just the Bucks receivers couldn't make plays. They didn't call good enough plays as a offensive coaching staff. But I think that last week against the Jets, you know, no one's really feeling really great about the defense coming out of that game. But I think it was more of a foundational game because we did try some new stuff. Joe Barry wasn't stubborn, adapted to what his defense does best, let Jair shadow Garrett Wilson. You have to imagine he's going to stick with that against Terry McLaurin because the commanders don't really have any threatening receivers outside of Terry McLaurin because John Jahan Dotson, like you mentioned, is questionable for this game. Didn't practice on Friday, so he might not play. So yeah, I think the, the game plan rolling forward is going to be having Jair be your lockdown cornerback because it's just so obvious, man. That's what he is. That's what he's best at, and he's so good at it. Why wouldn't you do it? But last week was definitely on the offense, just not scoring enough points. Because say what you want about the 27 points allowed, seven of those were on special teams. But still, we that it was 3-3 at halftime. The Jets were not scoring points. We definitely should have won that game. The reason we lost <sighs> is not on the defense giving up too much, you know? The offense is going to have to get it together. They're going to have to, you know, we say they're going to have to run the ball well, but the commanders have to do something well, I think. (laughs) Something. The commanders have the seventh best run defense in the NFL, according to EPA per play. 
and they only play man coverage 30% of the time, which means they're playing a lot of too high. So even you have to you have to think that they're going to play us differently, like every team has. They're they're going to play a lot of single high, a lot of base defense, challenge our receivers because they haven't been making plays. So they're they're good against the run in nickel in their sub packages. They're going to be playing a lot of base defense against us, I imagine, which is only going to make the run game harder. So I don't think we're going to have a lot of success on the ground in this game, and it's probably going to lead to people on Twitter saying, "Run the ball, run the ball." <laughs> even though they're running into a brick wall on every single play. But there's there's yeah. going to be those people out there. But I don't think the game plan in this game should be committing to the run. You know, there have been games this season, like against the Giants, where I think it would have helped to commit to the run because it was working. But I can't imagine that this week it's going to be one of those games. Maybe there may be a slight adjustment to the run game you can make is giving it to Aaron Jones a little bit more. And I think that's something oh. they're going to do. Because wow. nothing, nothing sparks change, nothing sparks action like losing does. And when you lose two in a row to bad football teams, like Joe Barry gets embarrassed by a terrible offense on the New York Giants, he makes some changes. I think back-to-back losses, back-to-back games where the offense is sputtering and really didn't look good at any point in either of those games, I think that's going to lead to Matt LaFleur making some changes. And I think that's why that it is more likely this week than any week so far that we're going to see a new offensive line. And I think we're going to see Aaron Jones on the field more too, because I know, Bron, you joke about Matt LaFleur saying after every game, oh, it's not good enough. You know, that's not enough touches for Jones. We got to be better. But I think this is the week that he does actually make those changes, whether that be via listening to Rogers a little bit and simplifying the offense. I don't know. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> that's exactly what Matt LaFleur said. That's pretty funny. But I don't even know what that means, simplifying the offense. I don't know what that would look like. But I think there are going to be some changes made, maybe even if it's just as simple as changing the offensive line or getting Aaron Jones on the field a lot more than A.J. Dillon because up to this point, they've been splitting snaps even though Jones, via every single statistic out there, whether it's advanced or as basic as yards per carry, Jones is so much better this season than A.J. Dillon has been. But they've still been sharing snaps. They've still been sharing carries. But I think this is the week that we really commit to Aaron Jones being our running back one, similar to what Joe Barry did with Jair last week. I think this is the week that we're going to... I keep hoping that we're going to come into a game with a special Aaron Jones game plan. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think this is the week that they're going to actually commit to him being your your lead back. Simplifying the offense to me, that whole entire comment from Rodgers and everything he talks about... Within that, to me, it really just means that he doesn't, he can't say this. I've said this over and over again. He cannot go out and say he doesn't feel like the guys are good enough. But the current state of what they have on offense is not good enough to win. It just isn't. I mean, these guys are young, inexperienced, and they haven't developed as quickly as we need them to, frankly, because we have to go out and win now. We can't really afford to start three and four because we're trying to make the playoffs, and you just can't do that. Nonetheless, we're going out there and running out there with a lot of guys who have a ton of inexperience, are very young, make mental mistakes. It only takes one guy on a singular play to mess up that said play, and you do that enough times throughout the game, you're going to lose. But you look at the Jets game, and we just couldn't get drives going at all. The only drive that I felt like we really moved the ball well was that two-minute drive to end the half to get the three to tie the game. When and the Jets were playing that, quarters, 10 yards. They were playing Joe Barry defense on that drive. They were. They were playing some Mike Pettin special right there. And <laughs> the good news is we, were, we saw some of that, that they were able to complete passes. But there were a lot of drops, a lot of issues. A.J. Dillon was not himself. He just looked lifeless. He's supposed to be very thunderous and, and powerful 
and he is very good with the ball in his hands, especially running up, running downhill. But, man, he just did not look good. Couldn't get footing. I don't know what it was with the rain or whatever. But, man, these weapons need to get it together quickly in order for us to have success. Otherwise, I think we do have to go out and make a move. Will we do that? Highly unlikely, as usual. But this is what they need to do. Will they ever do that is the question. I don't think so. But it's what they need to do. I think everybody agrees on that. Will they be able to win a Super Bowl with this group on offense? I think the answer is no, and it's a sad reality. I think if we're looking for a spark in this game, something it, it could be Sammy Watkins coming in because that is a receiver that he may not even play. Griff, like we don't. He know. may not He's even play. I'm saying, IR. I'm saying that could be a thing that actually like turns the offense around because looking at it, it's hard to think this game specifically of anything happening that's gonna really they're gonna look any better than we've seen them this season. Other especially than, without Randall Cobb there, I mean that is a big big loss because he was maybe the only guy getting open on a consistent basis and making plays with it. Yeah, so the only thing that's gonna turn it around is. Aaron Rodgers turning into MVP again because he you know you and I both think that he hasn't been as terrible as a lot of people think he has been this season but he's not been at that level and we've seen Aaron compete with this level of talent around him maybe this is the worst it's ever been actually I'm trying to think because 2015 you at least had Cobby and James Jones and young Devontae who couldn't catch anything but I don't know, maybe maybe this is the worst he's ever had. But, you know, we still know that Rodgers, playing at his best, can carry a group of guys like this. So maybe this is the week where he turns it on, and he's throwing lasers, and he's doing all the easy stuff, and he's hitting the short passes to get the chains moving. That could happen. I, I do think it's interesting when you were talking about the, the final two minutes of the first half, because the I said that the Jets were playing the Joe Barry defense, meaning they were playing too high for, like, that was, like, the only period of the game where they committed to playing too high and their corners were off the ball and it's funny because against every other team in the NFL especially the dynamic ones that's how defenses are playing them like if you watch the Bucks or the uh excuse me the Chiefs and Bills game from last Sunday both defenses were playing too high meaning the safe there's two safeties trying to keep everything in front of them forcing the quarterbacks to be patient because it slows down dynamic offenses but against us that's like the future of the NFL but against us teams are playing like it's 2008 where they're playing single high, lots of man coverage, lots of cover three, meaning you have one safety in the middle of the field, and it's almost like teams are treating us as if we don't have any receivers. I wonder why. Also, the you know the old days of Aaron Rodgers under Mike McCarthy, the way that we were playing in some of those years, we would have dominated, and we had dominated those kinds of defensive looks for years. When you talk about 2011 through 2016, I mean, those were the looks we were getting for the longest time. And the offense that we had constructed back then based on winning your one-on-ones, when you're seeing the man like that, you're getting those blitzes. I mean, that's the stuff that Rodgers was eating up back in the day. Now we're seeing those looks, and we don't have the horses to go and run with it. And Rodgers isn't playing well enough. Uh, he's doing things that I, I just, you know, you're, you're puzzled by sometimes. Uh, some of the ways he's dropping back, just things that aren't customary for what he's been doing these past couple of years. But then you have to go and look at the fact that he really doesn't have that no-thought confidence, that absolute conviction to throw to some of these guys that, that he used to when he was thrown to Devontae Adams and guys that he had back in those other days. We talk about Jordy Nelson and others that he has all that trust and confidence in the world in. It's just you don't know that these guys are going to get open. So he can't throw at that same level of conviction. And even that starts from the drop back. When you're not totally confident that you have an idea of where you're going to go on this pe- on this play specifically, the drop back's going to slow down a little bit. It may get a little bit knocked off the spot as well. So he's not going into the plays, I think, you know, based on a viewer's perspective, 
I don't think he's going into these plays with the same level of confidence, fire for the for the game itself because he's not as confident that they're going to be able to get it done. Yeah, and I think that's been clear. And I think it I think it's also interesting to think about his worst seasons as a starter. What were they? 2015 when Jordy Nelson tore his ACL, didn't have Jordy. 2018 when Ju- it was his first season playing without Jordy Nelson as a starter. And then this is probably his third worst year, probably. I mean, 2019 is up there too, but that was a new offense. But I think I think so far this season he's looked worse than 2019, and he lost Devonte Adams. So I think there is there is a precedent for this happening to Aaron um, in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see if that turns around because we know it's possible for him to turn it around. He's done. He started seasons slowly a lot in the past even last year he was not in the mvp conversation at this stage of the season last season he wasn't in the mvp conversations till what week 12 probably when we beat the rams i feel like that was the game that really put him into like it was him and brady at that point um but let's talk about the commanders here so carson Wentz is out is this a good thing for washington i feel like it might be because carson Wentz stinks dude um i don't even look at it like that like i don't think they're happy to go into it with a quarterback who hasn't been in their plans all year um, of course, that's not something you want to do as an offense, but it does give them a little bit of a fresh opportunity to see what it looks like, their offense, with another guy operating. That's the main thing, really, when you talk about the switch at quarterback. This guy, Taylor Heineke, is not uh, hes not your typical backup quarterback, per se, to me. When I think of um, guys like him who have done things in this league, like he's played in playoff games and had success, I mean, he, he went into the Tampa Bay game, and, and he played well. So I And I've seen him play at a high level. That's the thing. So you can't just assume that it's going to be any worse. And like you mentioned, it could be better even because the way that they've been playing with Carson Wentz hasn't been great. So I think maybe one of their main concerns might be, from a Green Bay standpoint, having to prepare for this team that we haven't seen at quarterback that same offense yet. So we're kind of looking at older tape from Heineke, some of the stuff they're doing on offense, obviously they're looking at all of it, but it's not going to be the same because of the different quarterback. So it makes it a little bit tougher to prepare, but uh, I guess we'll just have to see, you know? Yeah, Taylor did play well in that playoff game. It gave a lot of Washington fans hope last year that he could be a potential like average quarterback, but he proved not to be <laughs> against us. Week 7 also, we played the Commanders last year, well, the Washington football team, so I think that's weird. A lot of schedule quirks this year, a lot of them. Very weird. But we're playing the Commanders Week 7, second year in a row. Last year, Taylor Heineke started that game, and he really stunk. He was really bad. Wasn't a big threat on the ground either, and that's one of his strengths. He's very mobile. That didn't go well for him. He had one... uh, Do you remember this? He had one deep ball to Terry McLaurin, I believe. But um, that was about it. He really stunk in that game. And it wasn't really a tight contest. So the defense, uh, this, that is not the story of this game. The Washington, they have the 28th best offense in the NFL, according to EPA per play. We know that that offense is bad. They can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. Carson Wentz has been terrible. Taylor Heineke, just because he's the backup, you assume he's going to be as bad, if not worse, probably worse. So the defense, I have no doubt that they're going to be able to play well in this game. It's not the story. I think that this game, I really think think that it's going to look a lot like last week's game where maybe it's close in the second half and maybe the commanders even get a lead in the fourth quarter maybe there's a special teams disaster I don't know but I think it's going to be a very close game unfortunately I mean if we let's say Bron let's say I tell you that the Packers win this game 42 to 7 what had to happen for that Rodgers turning into Superman I mean that's it that's the only thing or we traded for somebody pretty quickly (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
Like, no, but I mean, yeah, it has that. Of course, you you talk about Aaron Rodgers doing something insane. What else would it take? And that's on the table. That's why we're going to keep watching. That's why we're not going to lose all hope because we do have Aaron Rodgers, and he is he is Superman. So if he can start playing like it again then the Packers are going to be in a lot better spot. But that's going to do it. We talked about pretty much everything in this game. The defense, not worried about it. The offense, let's hope they can turn it around. Let's hope Aaron plays better. Let's hope Sammy Watkins plays. Let's hope the O-line plays better via some kind of shuffling. But that's going to do it. Uh, Stay tuned. Tuesday, our review podcast of this game will be out. Hopefully, we'll be discussing a Packers win because the Packers losing three in a row. I don't think that's happened since 2018. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen, but stick around for that. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Today in Titletown. Follow us on Instagram at AllDayPackers at Lambo.Leapers. Rate the show five stars. Review it. Send us feedback on Instagram or leave a review on iTunes. And that is everything. Go Pack Go. Thank you for listening, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.